0: hello everybody and welcome back to the jrpg report this is episode 221 and my name is dalton Suter. and i'm gonna go ahead and tell you guys right off the bat this is a very uh final fantasy heavy news week at the end of it with some some real big news that has come out about uh the final fantasy series as you know as a whole, and uh, some big news about the Final Fantasy VII remake Part Two, but we will get to that. I have some other things to touch on beforehand. Um, I do apologize if uh, my voice starts to give out on me during this. Um, I have been sick the past week, and it's been uh, it's been rough. But I am going to do my best to get this episode out to each and every one of you wonderful listeners. And uh, let's get this shindig started, shall we? So you know, last week I touched on that there was going to be a Dragon's Dogma live stream. And it did not disappoint. They announced during the live stream that Dragon's Dogma 2 is now in development. The title appeared um, during the 10th anniversary stream. That was the stream. I was trying to remember what the uh, purpose of the stream was. It was the 10th anniversary stream. And the developers spoke in length about the development of the first title before going into the reveal. Which, the reveal was cool. They were like, we have a big announcement for you all. And then they all pulled off their outer shirts and they were all wearing Dragon's Dogma 2 t-shirts and I was like, nice! Yeah! The commentary included information about inspirations for the game and key gameplay elements that they wanted to include. And you can watch the entire archive version of the stream on YouTube. Just search the 10 years of Dragon's Dogma and it is bound to come up. And the Summer Games Fest Twitter account later noted that Dragon's Dogma 2 is using the RE engine which oh boy that's gonna be cool that game's gonna look fantastic no no you no know, no news on like a release date or anything like that it's just in development and that's fine if it takes them five years i don't care i'll be ready for it when it's done <laughs> up next we got some new uh, one piece odyssey screenshots so people can get a better look at one piece odyssey's original character Lim. in an, in new screenshots bandai namco shared another round of images on their official twitter account and it, it also hinted that Lim. A woman who always carries a gourd with her hates pirates. As a result, she could steal people's powers in the game. Lim is one of two new characters introduced into the game. The other is a long-haired man named Adio. The new fixtures shared are not the only recent One Piece Odyssey screenshots as a number have also appeared showing off locations and the battle system, and another round has focused on enemies that we'll see in the Straw Hat crew members, which I believe we have covered in weeks previous. So One Piece Odyssey will be coming to the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and... Xbox Series X and S and PC in 2022. So they have all the bases except Switch covered, as usual. <laughs> uh, Dusk Diver 2 is now now has a Western release date. So we know that Dusk Diver 2, uh, Idea Factory International confirmed it will bring the game to North America and Europe on August 30th, 2022. Previously, the game had a general summer 2022 release window. There's also a new trailer to accompany the announcement, and people can see Yang Yumo attempt again to save the world the video begins with a bit of exposition and shows yumo running through the streets while she's being watched she again finds herself facing chaos beasts from there the trailer shows how the action rpg works and people can see yumo leo leviada and bahad fight enemies as a reminder the launch edition of dust divers 2 will come with bonus items In north america the 49.99 version comes with a soundtrack cd and art book Pre-orders are already open for it there. However, the European pre-orders aren't open yet. And idea of Factory International hasn't announced when they will be available. And Dust Divers 2, I'm sorry, Dusk Diver 2 will be coming out August 30th, 2022, like I said. And it will be coming to Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation 5. And it is immediately available in Japan. And people can already get the PC version of Dust Divers 2 worldwide via Steam. And I've seen people say that Dust Diver is like persona meets ease meets a warriors game so i mean it sounds interesting i have the first dust diver um but i've never played it i should get around to that and check it out i really should i keep seeing these articles about the second one and the second one this trailer that i watched earlier for it looks looks fantastic you know uh and i did retweet this you can find this on djrpg report twitter as well so the soul hackers 2 english dub now has its cast and the cast has been revealed. Uh, Back in the beginning of June 2022, Atlas offered a tease of English voice acting in Soul Hackers 2, and now there's a full reveal. A new trailer appeared, and it goes over the entire English dub cast for Soul Hackers 2. The trailer goes over Soul Hackers 2 English dub cast one by one as their characters appear. People get to see the person they're playing and hear their voice lines from them. Things begin with Ringo, the lead heroine, and Figu, Arrow, Milady, and Saizo. And here's a list of the soul hackers to English cast so far. So Arrow will be voiced by Zach Aguilar. Figu will be Erica Mendez. Milady will be Erica Lindbeck. Ringo will be Megan Harvey. And Saizo will be Griffin uh, Pautu. Uh, I'm sorry. I probably messed that name up. <laughs> uh, and here are the Japanese voice actors to compare. Arrow in Japan is Kaito Ishikawa. Figu is Nanako Mori uh milady is ami koshimizu uh, ringo is tomoyo kurosawa and saiso is masaya Matsukaze. ah i almost got that all of them right matsa matsukaze there we go soul Hackers 2 will be coming to playstation 4 playstation 5 xbox 1 xbox series x and pc august 25th 2022 japan and august 26th 2022 worldwide and standard and special editions will be available some news for some pc fans out there much like myself rune factory 5 pc version will appear on steam in july uh, most people will be able to play Rune factory 5 soon as the pc version is heading to steam it will debut on july 13 2022 it will be 59.99 for the standard version and there's also going to be a 69.99 digital deluxe one with rune factory 4 marriage candidates Outfit Set dlc however the pre-order discount, in effect, brings the price of the former down to $50.99 and the latter to fifty-nine 10 pieces of DLC will also be available at launch. The product page confirmed that the game will appear in English, French, German, Japanese, Korean, and both simplified and traditional Chinese. It also confirmed that there will be achievements and trading cards to earn. Here is a list of all the DLC that will be available at the launch. People who own the PC version of Room Factory 4 Special. People get less than Frey protagonist outfits and will see Doug and Marguerite in town. Sweet score. I have Rune Factory 4 Special. That's what's up. Pre-orders will also come with the Holy Night and the Bibliophile Swimsuit set and the new Ranger Care package and item packs add-ons. Um and actually you know what, if you would like to read this whole list of these available DLCs, I did retweet this on the Twitter on the JRPG Report Twitter. Um to not bore everyone who's not a Rune Factory fan, I won't sit here and go through all of these that are sit here and listed, but uh, it is coming July 13th, so so be on be on the lookout it is already out for switch and that's why i'm excited to play it on pc because i have friends who played it on switch and they love it and i've been really i adore rune factory 4 of what i've played of it and i'm not even i'm not even like an eighth of a way through that game (laughs) and it's just been a blast so yeah keep an eye out for that my fellow pc players up next this is not really uh too much to go on but square enix has filed a trademark for quote unquote unnumbered on june 9th which went public as of june 16th now there's been nothing else mentioned about it. But, fingers crossed, maybe another JRPG for us to check out? Hopefully, hopefully. It would be nice to see Square Enix, you know, put something out that m- makes people happy. Wink, wink. So the latest issue of the weekly Famitsu has f- a feature on the 35th anniversary of the E series, including the first concept artwork for the next entry in the series and an interview with Falcom president Toshihiro Kondo. And I did retweet this if you would like to see this image of the new artwork. As pictured in the artwork, the concept art depicts a young-looking Adol fighting a giant bird-like creature alongside a woman wielding an axe and a shield. Their arms are connected by an aura-like string, and their attack also forms an X. Here are the notable tidbits from the interview with Kondo. This will be the 10th numbered entry in the E saga. While it will retain the series' smooth and exhilarating gameplay, other areas are being re-examined. Well, no, not, while not quite a Souls-like, the challenge is to see whether it is possible to implement steadily paced one-on-one combat in which a player can watch an enemy's movements. It is a lighter feeling, ease style Souls-like. Adol is around the age that he was in Ease 1 and 2. The story might be set outside the Roman Empire. Changing weapon attributes by swapping between party members will change significantly. While we cannot say platforms at this time, we want a wide range of players to enjoy it and making Adol younger may have been for that purpose. It will be released as we're working on various platforms. Kondo wants to play previous released Ease titles on modern platforms. Providing new gameplay elements is vital, and whether it be scenarios, actions, or systems, the game will incorporate something new. So, Ease fans, if much like myself, uh, that sounds interesting, I guess. Uh, a Souls like Ease game. I mean, hopefully, it doesn't lean too far into that because, like, that's kind of becoming a th- uh, like a trend almost and it has been for a while all these souls like games and don't get me wrong I like the souls likes I like uh you know Dark Souls Bloodborne Siguro uh Elden Ring those are all cool games and everything but like they're their own thing let them be their own thing your games don't have to emulate that and I'm looking at you Lords of the Fallen I'm looking at you so I'm just saying like hopefully they can take the idea of that and ease it up like a bunch of and make it really cool. I, I, I'm I'm gonna be optimistic about this. So we have some anniversaries that popped up over the last week. Twenty years ago, from June 19th, I'm sorry, June 20th, 2002, Bandai, before it was Bandai Namco, it was just Bandai, released Dot Hack Infection, which was the first game in the Dot Hacks Dot Hack series for PS2. While a collection of the first four games has yet to be announced, Bandai Namco has recently trademarked Last Recollection so that could be something that could be really cool Uh, another anniversary that popped up was the 25th anniversary of final fantasy tactics and i know that there are a ton of people i have so many people tell me that i need to play final fantasy tactics it's just one that i didn't have as a kid and i haven't gotten around to it but man the amount of love that i hear that game get really really makes me want to check it out and like previously mentioned in the article about ease before on June 20th, they tweeted this out, but it was actually June 21st at the anniversary. Messed, they messed me up twice now with these anniversaries. Gematsu, get your stuff together. 35 years ago today in Japan, on June 21st, 1987, Ease 1, the ancient Ease vanished. The first game in the Ease series, launched for PC 8801. Happy 35th anniversary to Ease. Man, I didn't realize Ease was that old. That's tremendous absolutely tremendous so nintendo's june 22nd 2022 direct broadcast focused on xenoblade chronicles 3 ahead of its july release date a new trailer set up the game world and narrative of the third xenoblade title emphasizing its themes of war transience and legacy xenoblade chronicles 3 is set on the world of Aeonios, where two nations keeves and agnes exist in the state of unceasing war the wars are fought by engineered soldiers with an artificially limited lifespan of ten years. Each year is called a term, and all ten are spent entirely on fighting. Six soldiers, three for each from Kieves and Ionos, encounter each other while on special mission from their respective authorities. After a mysterious encounter, the sextet end up as fugitives, hunted by both nations. Their only hope is to head to the Sword March the part of the world pierced by a gigantic blade. There they'll find their answers, and a path towards defeating the real enemy and bringing the world to order. Teases of cutscenes from the story of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 focus on the characters' short lifespans and their desire to live or leave a lasting legacy, something that's not possible considering their life of constant war. Mio in particular is revealed to be late in her 10th term, with three months left to live. Another character appears to perform a ritual of some sort, to share some of their own remaining time with Mio who refused to accept it, or who refuses to accept it, excuse me. The Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Direct also revealed more footage focusing on supporting heroes who joined the party as the seventh members. These characters, Ashira, Valdi, Riku, and Manana, Fiona, Alexandria, and Grey were shown off. Heroes can bring unique classes and abilities to the team with Xenoblade Chronicles 3's class framework. Valdi is a war medic, while Ashira is a lone exile, and Zeon a guardian commander. The main party members can also adopt the heroes' classes as they join the group, expanding their options for both combat and cosmetics. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 releases for the Nintendo Switch on July 29th, 2022. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and Xenoblade Chronicles, the previous main games in the series, are also available on Switch. Xenoblade Chronicles X, however, remains a Wii U exclusive. All right, and when I said that the back end of this is Final Fantasy heavy, here's where we start square enix revealed more information concerning final fantasy 7 ever crisis during the final fantasy 7 25th anniversary broadcast viewers were given a more detailed look at how environments and important scenes throughout the final fantasy 7 extended universe will look in the game in addition a closed beta test will appear for final fantasy 7 ever crisis sometime in 2022 combat was shown in the trailer along with various cosmetics for example the characters can wear unique outfits Weapons also have distinct appearances, and there was also a tease at the end of the trailer that involved the iconic scene from Nibelheim with Sephiroth. Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis is a mobile experience that will condense not only the original Final Fantasy VII story, but that of the spin-off titles as well. Square Enix outlined plans for the game, revealing that there will be no character gotcha system. Instead, players will roll for weapons similar to the city of Final Fantasy Opria Omnia. Additionally, story chapters will be free to play. Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis will release on Android and iOS devices, and a closed beta will appear in 2022. At the Final Fantasy VII 25th Anniversary Celebration Broadcast, Square Enix revealed Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion Remaster. It will be on PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC in winter 2022. The trailer they showed for it showed off new 3D models and new voice acting. And you can also get a glimpse of the new UI. Some initial screenshots have also been shared of Final Fantasy... Excuse me, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion Remaster. Uh by Summer Games Fest Twitter account. So if you'd like to see those, hop over there and check it out from uh, Jeff Keeley, I believe also shared them. Uh, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII first appeared on the PSP. It's a prequel that shows, or that follows Zach Fair as he deals with characters like Sephiroth, Genesis, Anjali, uh, Aerith, and Cloud. It never appeared on any digital storefronts and was only available on UMD. The original game made its debut on the PSP in Japan in 2007 before appearing worldwide in 2008. So people get get hyped because uh I, I, this is another one of those games that I've here I've heard so many people say Crisis Core is so good but I've never had a chance to play it and now I will because I never had a PSP so this will be cool and in other news there will be more ways to play Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate as it's coming to Steam for PC the new version appeared just ahead and of just ahead of and during the 25th anniversary celebration broadcast it will debut on June 17th 2022 the product page is now live on Steam and people could already play it on PCs like via epic but this version will also be steam deck verified this is the final fantasy 7 remake integrated version of the game that means people get the base game with improvements like photo mode they'll also have access to the intermission dlc that's the additional multi-chapter campaign starring yuffie and sonon we had some idea of this sort of announcement would appear ahead of the anniversary presentation because square Enix had filed a new trademark for final fantasy 7 remake that came up back in may um this game first appeared on the PlayStation 4 in 2020. The integrated version came to PlayStation 5 and PC via Epic in 2021. And now will be coming to Steam on June 17th. Which, I guess that would be out out now already. Yeah, so this is already on Steam. I hmm. guess I'll need to go wishlist it. And the big announcement. Final Fantasy VII rebirth She's going to be part two of the remake so the rebirth team confirms that the remake is going to be three parts so the next part of the remake is final fantasy 7 is called final fantasy 7 rebirth but the project as a whole will be a trilogy according to square enix following the reveal of final fantasy 7 rebirth during the final fantasy 7 25th anniversary stream messages from creative director tetsuya nomura director naoki hamaguchi and producer yoshinori Kitase, Confirmed the project's three-part structure. This was the this was what Nomura said. As revealed on the broadcast, there are currently four Final Fantasy VII projects being developed in parallel. Although each of the four titles play a different role, they are all connected through high-quality depictions of Final Fantasy VII's world and characters. As someone who is involved with the development of each and every one of the original titles, I deeply understand the vision and thoughts behind each project, and I am actively involved in the development process for all four titles. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is being designed so that people can enjoy this game whether they know the original game or not. In fact, new players might even enjoy starting their Final Fantasy VII journey with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Cloud and his friends embark on a new journey in this game, and I believe that the scenes they witness after leaving Midgar will give players a fresh, new experience. Nomura confirmed that he was actively involved in development for all four Final Fantasy VII-related projects at Square Enix, and he said that Final Fantasy Seven Rebirth in particular was being designed for people to enjoy whether. Oh, well, they're just repeating what he just said in that. Okay. For his part, producer Katase said that development was proceeding at an astonishingly fast pace for the title of Final Fantasy VII Remake's project scale. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth being the middle of the trilogy would come with its own challenges, but he expressed confidence that Rebirth would take a place among other beloved second entries. The team aims to top their first installment as well in terms of being a gripping and mem- memorable experience. Director Hamaguchi encouraged fans to think of Rebirth as more of than just a single part in the series, as the team was working on it with all of the passion and dedication needed to create an original game. Going by the trailer, Rebirth's story may continue in its meta-textual mode, treating the remake project and the original release of Final Fantasy VII as a dialogue of sorts. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is in development targeted for release next winter, which could be late 2023 or early 2024 on PS5. Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate is available on PC via Steam and the Epic Game Store. And some other news Final Fantasy 16, currently playable from start to finish. In an interview with PlayStation Blog, the Final Fantasy 16 producer Naoki Yoshida revealed further insights into the current development status of the game. Final Fantasy 16 is now in its last scheduled year of development, just under two years after its announcement in 2020. Though there are multiple months to go until Final Fantasy 16 hits its release window of summer 2023, Yoshida said that the game is fully playable from start to finish. Elaborating, Yoshida mentioned that there's much more to be done before it's ready to be public. Multiple languages of voiceover work still need to be recorded, and playtesting for things like difficulty balance needs to take place. Tweaks on things like narrative cutscenes are still on the docket, as is the full-scale debugging process. Though we didn't use specific term, the details suggest that Final Fantasy 16 has entered what is typically defined as an alpha stage of completion, though exact definitions vary. Games in the alpha phase are usually considered feature-complete, with their gameplay systems, technological base, and overall content already settled and implemented in some fashion. At this point, a developer would focus on extensive and comprehensive playtesting to tune mechanics, gameplay balance, and other factors, as well as finding and eliminating many bugs and as errors as possible. The interview also contained more comments from Yoshida about his and his team's goals for Final Fantasy sixteen. Regarding goals, Yoshida said that when considering what to do with 16, he recalled how it felt to play the original Final Fantasy. He wanted to recapture the feeling of, Playing the leading role in a motion picture using modern game design and technology. The process of developing Final Fantasy 16 while still acting as director and producer of Final Fantasy 14 was managed by beginning Final Fantasy 16's pre production processes with a small group of core team members. The team was slowly and carefully transitioned over so as to not impact the operation of Final Fantasy 14. Yoshida also revealed that the team as a whole is heavily reliant on the work of the project managers and assistant producers for both 14 and 16 to keep schedules and tasks organized. Since several 14 dev members besides Yoshida, including composer Masayoshi Soken, are working on 16, keeping things in order to avoid burnout is critical. Let me go ahead and tell you, if Soken is doing music for 16, it's going to be fantastic music. I promise. Uh, Yoshida also noted that Bahamut is his favorite summoned character in Final Fantasy series overall, because his arrival means something incredible is about to happen. Bahamut has appeared in nearly every Final Fantasy game and a number of non-Final Fantasy ones, and had an especially prominent role in the story of 14. When prompted to name his favorite Final Fantasy 16 summon, Yoshida demurred, saying that to do so would invite a lot of speculation. He did promise readers that all of 16 summons called icons would be "quote unquote" cool as hell. <laughs> 16 is in development and scheduled for release on PlayStation 5 in the summer of 2023. So Square Enix's Yoshi P, as people call him, which is Yoshida, uh, has been making the rounds promoting Final Fantasy 16. As we just heard, as an interview with Game Informer teased the new arrival of a new trailer for the game. Fans won't want to hold their breath yet, though, as the next full Final Fantasy 16 trailer won't arrive until fall 2022. In the meantime, the interview revealed more about the game as it enters the last years of development. According to Yoshida, the third Final Fantasy 16 trailer will focus more on the game's world of Valestia, as well as the overall storyline. He said his plans on showing what the story is going to be like, while the narrative is going to be like, and how that's going to fit into the world. The interview also covered new tidbits regarding the game's battle system and involvement of its icons. Ishida spoke about 16's heavier emphasis on real-time action and the involvement of the battle director Ryota Suzuki. Suzuki joined Square Enix in 2009 after a stint at Capcom working on games like Devil May Cry 5 and Dragon's Dogma. Suzuki's influence played a key role in crafting 16's combat, as much of the team at the time had little experience in making action games. Final Fantasy 16's combat system allows the players to cycle through powerful attacks and abilities to pull off combos in real time. These abilities are based on the icons. Yoshida brought up one example from the 16 Dominance trailer. In it, Clive used a Garuda ability to suspend an enemy in the air, then used a Titan derived ability to smash the enemy into the ground. These combinations will be customizable and allow players to vary Clive's playstyle. The icons will do more, or icons, the icons will do more than just Power Clive's abilities, though. Yoshida spoke about battles between two full-size icons. Each battle will be unique and involve bespoke mechanics and framing. One battle will be reminiscent of a 3D shooter, and another will be more like a pro wrestling match. The UI... What? (laughs) The UI will also change for each battle, and the team tried to get away with having almost no on-screen UI, but some information was required to make it playable. The current design resembles the life bars used in fighting games. Final Fantasy 16 is in development. Well, you all know that. You all know it's in development. And the last set of news that we have is yet another thing about Final Fantasy 16, and that is despite recent trends in AAA design, it seems that Final Fantasy 16 will not be adopting the popular open world structure. In an IGN interview, producer Naoki Yoshida, who's heading the project at Square Enix, revealed that 16 won't be an open world game. The open-world games are typically defined as having one or more very large areas that contain most of the available activities, ranging from narrative quests to optional challenges. Grand Theft Auto, Breath of the Wild, and Skyrim are all examples of open-world titles. The previous mainline Final Fantasy title, Final Fantasy XV, was also touted as an open-world game giving the party license to range over its map and uncover quests and challenges. Its map regions were progressively unlocked as the players followed the main narrative, and by the end, players could unlock a free roam mode for both of its main areas. For its part, Final Fantasy XVI will not be a traditional open-world game, but will take inspiration from existing titles that are. Without naming specific games, Yoshida noted that Square Enix user research showed that many younger players have never played any Final Fantasy titles, and that one of their goals in designing Final Fantasy 16 is to excite and resonate not only with their core fans, but also with the new generation. And to that end, they will also tell a story that feels like it spans an entire globe and beyond. The team is structuring 16s based less on open world single area. Instead, it will focus on an independent area-based design, and this should give players a better sense of game and events on a global scale this means that final fantasy 16's world of valestia might have smaller playable areas or more linear stages and maps based on each of its in-game nations these nations revealed back in october are called the grand duchy of rosaria the holy empire of sambreca the kingdom of walud the damalcan republic the iron kingdom and the crystalline dominion the protagonist is clive and he is from rosaria Final Fantasy 16 is in development and targeted for release on PS5 summer 2023. And that about does it for this week's episode, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, I guess it's time for some housekeeping of sorts, if you will, if you would like to check out and follow us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash the JRPG report. I do try to be active over there. I am much more active over on Twitter though. I will say that at JRPG report on Twitter. And if you like the show, and you would like to uh, help, you know, support the show, um, and help me keep the lights on. Quite literally, uh, you can join the Patreon. It's Patreon.com forward slash JRPG Report. And yeah, uh, you can come in there. You join as soon as you join. Um, whenever I see new people join, I hit them with a link to the Patreon Discord, where we're always in there just chatting about games or food or music. You know, there's there's things like oh, there's always some stuff going on in there. Uh, and you also get access to the let's plays that i'm doing on there as well and i'm currently let's playing through final fantasy 6 and it's it's been a good time it's been a good time i you know i'm uh, putting these together like games that i have never played through all the way to the end games that i've never experienced before and i let the patreon people vote on it i put up you know i select like five games in a poll and whichever one wins is what i'm gonna do and i started with Final Fantasy VI, so there's no telling what'll be next, but it's going to take me a bit to get through this one anyway. <laughs> so yeah, if you would like to support the show and all of that, it's I believe it's $2 a month. It's patreon.com forward slash the JRPG report. It gives you access to all of that jazz. And I would like to thank our, the Patreons uh, by name. And they are Kim C, Jake W, Jordan K, Tara, Kularian, Taylor F, Luke C, and Master Loot. You are all much appreciated. And if you would like to hear more of my voice, You can check me out on the Steam Machine podcast, which is a bi-weekly PC gaming show where me and two of my buddies, Nate and Willie, the Destructo Bros, as we call them, (laughs) play through my massive backlog of PC games and talk about them. And the last game that we did was Yakuza 0. Um, We did it in two parts. And my goodness, that's a good game with some of the best music. Oh, so good. Um, I, I recommend you guys go and check those episodes out if you're a fan of the Yakuza series. Um, If you haven't played Zero, go play Yakuza Zero, then go listen to the episodes. I think you'll have a good time. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that about does it for this week's episode of the JRPG Report. Like I said, I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for tuning in. I love you all, and I'll catch you next week. So do me a favor. Get out there and level up.